Welcome to the 200th episode of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. God is pro-life and all life is valuable to God. Hi, this is Keith Tusi and welcome to Leadership in Context. You know, we got a great controversy brewing in the world right now over pro-life and pro-abortion and Roe versus Wade and This controversy is great and important because the unborn children need all the publicity they can possibly get. So in the next few podcasts, I'm going to give you four different segments of why this is so critical and crucial. I'm going to talk about the Bible. I'm going to talk about science. I'm going to talk about the law. And I'm going to talk about history. But I want to just dig in today and talk about the Bible because that's got to be our greatest context. What does the Word of God say? When you determine that, then you can determine how and what we do. But first, that has to be determined. Is the Bible pro-life? It is so unequivocally pro-life, it's beyond any stretch of the imagination to understand how somebody could not understand that God is pro-life if they take the Bible serious. Of course, in Genesis 127, it says that man was created in the image of God. So the creation of man is unique from every other animal, every other mammal. We are absolutely distinct. We are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, not just body and soul or body, mind, and intellect. So we are a trichotomy, not a duality. In Job 33, the Bible says that we were made by God. In in Psalm 119, it says that the Lord's hands fashioned us. And I'll read Psalm 139 to you, verse 13 through 16. It says, for you form my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. This is not only a beautiful picture, it's absolutely scientific. We were knit together. When you study fetal development, when you study child development in the womb, even the word knitting and coming together is just a picture of how that really works. Isaiah 44, verse 24, says that he was formed in his mother's womb. Of course, we know Psalm 127 says that children are a gift of God. Uh, Jeremiah uh, 1 says that he was formed in his mother's womb. Huh. And then, you know, uh, there's some history in the Bible there, too. For instance, Moses' story, when she hid her children from Pharaoh, she was applauded for that. The midwives were applauded because Pharaoh had, in effect, issued an abortion order, an eugenics order to kill all the male babies, and the midwives lied and said, oh, the 
The, the, the Hebrew women are vigorous and they deliver their children. God blessed that. God sanctioned it because life is preeminent. And so we have a great history there in the scripture. Then in biblical law, if you would look at Exodus 21, uh, in, starting in verse 22, it talks about if there is a woman in a struggle and she has an unborn child and that person uh, hurts her unborn child, it says specifically, causes her to deliver premature, then that person is guilty of hurting a person, okay? Because that child was a person. So God assigns personhood to that child. You know, there are also some other very significant things. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't just show up on earth. Think about that. He was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit, not just placed in a womb, but conceived. So God went through the whole development process and the birthing process. I want you to think about that for a minute. That, that, is, that is very significant that God went through that whole process with Mary. And interesting, the first person on earth to praise Jesus was still in his mother's womb. John the Baptist was still in his mother's womb when he praised Jesus. Well, that should tell you something about the personhood of the child. Speaking of the personhood, in reading through the Bible, I found 27 people in the Bible who had names named by God before they were born. They had an identity. They were a person. That's very important for us to understand. Paul says in Galatians 1, uh, verse 15 it is, that he was called in his mother's womb. Not only a person, but a destiny. Again, if you go back and you read Psalm 139 that I just read, that there's a, that there's a destiny that's attached to us. Here's maybe even the bigger question. Is there anything remotely in the Bible, just on the fringe of anything, that would suggest that God is not pro-life? And when I say pro-life, I mean that children are personages. They are people while they are in the womb and that God likes children. Is there anything in the Bible that would cause anybody to believe that killing a child, a person, not property, children are not property. That's what the pro-abortion argument is, is that they're property, that that, that that child belongs to them as a property, just like the slave owners did. That was their property, and they could do whatever they wanted to do with their property. But children are not property. They are a blessing of the Lord. They come from God. Despite the circumstances of their birth, of their conception, they are still children. Okay? We have to understand that. Does that mean that, you know, their argument, does that mean that every child is conceived sovereignly by God? No, what it means is God has sovereignly set up a conception process. The sperm and the egg. And whoever uses that process is going to have a child. And that is a process that God honors and God blesses, 
despite the circumstances of their conception. Because God's laws are immutable. They're not subject to change. It's like if a saved person and an unsaved person jump off the roof, gravity is going to work for them the same way. They're both going to hit the ground. We have to understand this. These are the laws of God. God initiated these. And God honors the laws that he initiates. And he initiated the law of sowing and reaping when it comes to sexual intimacy. So what about unwanted children? Well, let me say this. There are a lot of unwanted pregnancies. I understand that. But, you know, there are very few, if any, unwanted children because somebody once that child, if the mother doesn't. That's why most women that start the adoption process, most, the far majority, about 10 to 1, that start the adoption process do not go through with it. They choose that child. And then the ones that adopt, they choose life for that child. And somebody else gets to raise that child and nurture that child as a mother and a father. See, this is the context of the scripture. These children belong to God. They've been redeemed by God. He has paid for them. He wants them. He desires them. And our position has got to be that children are a blessing. All children are a blessing. And they should be loved and nurtured and cared for and protected. Jesus often demonstrated his love for children by going out of his way to demonstrate the kingdom of God was like a child. He talked about us ministering to the least of these as a standard of righteousness and judgment. Well, surely unborn children qualify as the least of these. I would encourage you to read the scriptures and really fortify your faith in how critical this is. This is not a social issue. This is a gospel issue from this context, that life is valuable and Jesus gave his life. When you diminish life, you're diminishing the redemptive act of Jesus. You're taking away from his life. You're saying not all life is valuable. There is a gospel connection to this. This is really important. And if killing children is not wrong, then that means there's nothing that's really wrong, and people's hearts are hardened. And if there's nothing really wrong, there's really no sin. And if there's really no sin, we really don't need a Savior. And if we really don't need a Savior, then Jesus is irrelevant. Ha! Huh. Sounds like our country today. I'm pro-life because the Bible is pro-life, not because I'm a good humanitarian, not because I'm merciful and kind, which I hope that I am. But I'm pro-life because God is pro-life and all life is valuable to God. This is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. If you think this would help somebody process their understanding of scripture and be a more defined Christian in our culture, then I would encourage you to get them with you and send this over to them and, and uh, propagate it a little bit, okay? Hey, I'll look forward to being with you next week. We're going to pick this discussion up. We're going to talk about the history of abortion in America. Psalms 139, 13-16 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.